Well, welcome back to the When I Heard This podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I'm here with Joseph Tillman. How are you, Joseph Tillman? <laughs> I'm doing really well. That's cool. It is. So, we just got done with deconstruction episodes, mm-hmm. and out of those deconstruction episodes came talk about essential doctrines and so you sent me a list of essential doctrines that we talked about that are the main important ones or all of them or yeah yeah we're going to talk about the yeah what's what's primary that Christians believe and so we're going to we're going to be doing the first one today which is one god or as I went further with it, I guess, with my questions, one true God, mm-hmm. which is the way I've heard it most of the time. And so we're going to go with that. Sounds good. Okay. So first question that I have, mm-hmm. this is an easy one. <laughs> okay. What is God? Lowercase. Lowercase. Lowercase God. Okay. So what is God? All right, so if I look at a dictionary, it's just going to tell me supreme being or something similar to that. Okay. Okay. If I'm just asking people, what is God? I think it's going to depend on who I ask. So for some, they would say that God's a creator. I think some would say God's an intelligent designer. Some would say he's a higher power, supreme being. Some would say a family protector or provider. And some would say an entity which oversees a specific you know, like area or part of the universe, like sun god, moon god, fertility god, god of the crops, that kind of thing. And then, of course, some would say that God is just a fairy tale, nothing more than a construct of people's imagination or people's need for something bigger than themselves to help them make sense of the world and their lives. So I think that... In a nutshell, is what people would probably say is God. Lowercase. Lowercase. Okay. What is bigger case God? <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, what is God with an uppercase G? Which is the God that you serve. Okay. So, for me as a Christian. Right. All right. So, for me as a Christian and for all other Christians, there is only one, I'll use your phrase, true God. Okay. So there's one true God. And this God can be understood to be a spirit being. Some people refer to this as an unbodied mind. This God transcends the universe. And so, in other words, it is outside of space and time. This God is the creator of the universe. And... The Christian would say that this one God is a personal creator because God interacts with creation. All right. So, for example, the Apostles' Creed states it like this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. So I believe in God. He's personal. We refer to him as a father. He's all powerful. We refer to him as the Almighty. And he's a creator, maker of heaven and earth. And then the Nicene Creed states it this way. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. And so, and and again, personal, Father, all-powerful, almighty, creator, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. 
but it adds in the phrase one God, affirming that there are no other gods but God and God alone. In other words, the the God of the Christian God, I'll put it that way. And so and so the Nicene Creed, you know, is written in the you know, or is being formed in the three hundreds and the Apostles Creed a bit after it. And so to give you a reference point of their dates, but um, and these are the creeds that most Christians would hold as affirming you know, the essential doctrines. And so with them each stating that this is who God is. He's the Father Almighty. He's the maker of heaven and earth. And so that is, you know, again, in a nutshell, what I believe God is. Do other religions consider their God the one true God? Yeah, so... So, so Jews, um, Muslims, and Christians all believe their God is the one true God, and there's no other gods. So those three religions hold to what's called an exclusive truth claim about their God. Okay. That, he, that their God alone is God. What verses in the Bible tell us about our God being the one true God. Yeah, so the most popular one would actually be the Shema. It's quoted in Deuteronomy 6. Just the very first part of the Shema, verse 4 states, Listen, Israel, the Lord, this Yahweh, our God, the Lord, is one. And so that's in so that's in Deuteronomy. So that's the first, not I'll say it's the first place, but that is probably the most popular quote in referring to God being one. And Mark 12 actually has Jesus quoting the Shema. So in Mark 12, verse 29, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And we could take a verse from each of the major sections of the Old Testament. And the first five books of the Old Testament are known as the Pentateuch. So that is Genesis through Deuteronomy. So we just quoted the Shema from Deuteronomy. I thought it was the Torah. Yes, same thing. Okay. Yep. And so then there's the historical books, and that's Joshua through Esther. In 2 Kings 19, verse 15, King Hezekiah is praying and declares, he says, You are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You made the heavens and the earth. And then the next section in the Old Testament is the wisdom literature. So it's going from Job through the Song of Songs, or sometimes referred to as Song of Solomon. Psalm 86 verse 10 states, For you are great and perform wonders. You alone are God. And then there's the prophetic literature, which is Isaiah through Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament. In Isaiah 44, 6, it's Isaiah prophesying, speaking, thus saith the Lord, saying, I am the first and I am the last. There is no God but me. So in the Old Testament, we can find in every major section of the Old Testament, you know, you can find, I mean, many verses, I just pulled one from each section, that declares that God is one, that he is the one true God. Then the New Testament, you see the same things. You, we read from the Gospel of Mark just a second ago with Jesus quoting the Shema. And then Paul actually quotes the very first part of the Shema as well in 1 Corinthians 8. And he again states that God is one. And so he quotes the very first phrase of the Shema. Yeah, the very first part of the Shema. 
And then again in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul says, One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. And then finally in um, Timothy, Paul is writing and he says, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And so that kind of gives you a taste of the Pauline letters, and then we'll grab one more, the letter of James. And James has an interesting way of approaching this. He says, you believe that God is one. Good. In other words, you believe that God is one, and he's again referring back to that Shema statement. Good. Even the demons believe this, and they shudder, it says Mm -hmm. in James 2.19. And so all throughout the Old Testament, New Testament, there's just a plethora of passages of Scripture that state explicitly that God is the one true God. And so for Christians, that's what we hold to, that there is one God, and we are the ones worshiping the one true God. Just like the demons. <laughs> the demons are not worshiping him, but okay. they do believe in him. And and this is the difference between just like an... Because you kind of will hear the idea of like believe in God, right? Mm-hmm. And so actually James here is making a distinction and he's saying, okay, the demons believe intellectually, like they intellectually know that God is one, that there is a God. And, you know, as as a Christian, we would say this God is a triune God. He's the, in other words, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And this God exists. This God created everything that's been created. And the demon's saying, we know this, we believe this intellectually, like we believe this and it's, and it's terrifying to them, James writes. And so for Christians, the idea of believing in God is not just an intellectual assent. It's a, I'm going to believe with the core of my being, my heart, my mind, my emotions, my rationale, all together, I am believing and then I'm trusting in and holding on to God as the one true God. Why is this an essential doctrine? Like, I'm, I'm going to go to hell if I don't believe this, I guess. So yeah. So why, why is that going to happen if I don't believe this? Right. <laughs> okay. So it is essential, and you're correct, all right? So if someone doesn't hold to this, yeah, and you're, you are not, you are not finding yourself in heaven, Okay. Which leaves me one other option, according to you. <laughs> well, not just according to me, <laughs> but according, but but according to Scripture and according to Jesus Himself and according to you know the the historical church. Yes, so okay. yes, okay, in me, pretty good sources. Yes, pretty good sources, and yeah, I mean it's heaven or hell, right? Right, and and we we discuss it. That will be its own. We'll discuss that, yeah. okay, in its own thing. So I'm not going to do a deep dive into heaven and hell right now. But you're right. It's an essential doctrine. And you were talking about the essentials or the primary things. And most of the essential doctrines that when we say essential, we mean you have to believe this to be a Christian, mm. okay? And so they are known as salvific doctrines. In other words, I have to hold to this core tenet, okay, to this belief or I'm not a Christian. And the reason that this came out of the idea of you know the past couple episodes with deconstruction 
is because in deconstruction, one begins to deconstruct their worldview and their beliefs, right? right? And so it's so then the question begins to be asked, well, then what beliefs can I deconstruct and still say I'm a Christian? And what beliefs, if I just tear them down, am I no longer a Christian? <laughs> and this is one of those where if you no longer hold to there being a one true God, they're one God, you know, God, the father almighty maker of heaven and earth. If you no longer hold to that, you are no longer a Christian. Okay. And so, yeah, so it's essential then that one believes in the one true God, you know, Yahweh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that was made known through Jesus. Uh, you know, this is a central tenet of Christianity. And so we as Christians have to hold to this. So the Ten Commandments, in the Ten Commandments, it says to not put other gods before the God who wrote the Ten Commandments with his his finger in the rocks. So (laughs) The rocks. (laughs) So what happens if I believe in other gods but don't put them before the Christian God? Okay. Yeah, I see what you're asking. All right. So you're right. So you're referring to the Ten Ten Commandments. We find them in Exodus 20. Right. We find them in other places too, but we'll start with Exodus 20. The first one, do not have other gods before me or have no other god before me. Um, Other translations will translate that as do not have other gods besides me. Besides, Um, not beside. Yeah. Okay. Like in other words, like there's you cannot have any other gods. Some translations are saying before me, others are saying besides me. And and so I, I understand where there's confusion and what it's trying to get to here. Okay. So in, in the Hebrew, the Hebrew preposition, which we translate as before or besides, can be translated in several different ways. It's a pretty pretty broad, vague Hebrew word, okay, that can take in a lot of things. But the intent of it is made pretty clear in other passages. So, for example, in Deuteronomy 4, which is leading right up into a recounting of the Ten Commandments by Moses, Deuteronomy 4, verses 15 through 20, prohibits the worship of any idol that's made. So we cannot worship any idol that's made. Okay, and, so you're saying idols. Mm-hmm. Is, are, are those gods? Some people, yes. For some people, their idols are their gods. So, yeah, we can get back into the yeah. whole idol worship yeah. here in a second. So, yeah, so it prohibits the worship of any idol that's made as well as prohibiting the worship of anything that's created. So you cannot worship the sun, the moon, the animals, you know, the trees, etc. So now the, So the Christian God cannot just be the first among many gods. That's what I'm getting to. And I think that's what the testimony of Scripture as a whole would say is that the Christian God cannot just be like, okay, well, as long as this Christian God is, I'm gonna or I'm gonna hold to him as first, right? Then I can still have these other gods. That's not what it's that's not what is meant by that statement, you know, that's read in the, in the Ten Commandments. What it's really saying is there is really no other God. This is it. Okay. So in fact, one of the primary themes of the Old Testament is a call to worship the one true God and to not fall into idolatry by taking on the gods and the idols of other people groups. 
And we find this all throughout Scripture. And especially, again, in the Old Testament, it's a primary theme of God continually warning his people, do not worship other gods, do not worship idols, only worship me and me alone. Especially as the Israelites are going into the promised land of Canaan. So when we grab our Bibles and we're opening up to Joshua and to Judges and, and then going on into the into First and Samuel and the Kings and the Chronicles, what we're seeing here is that the worship of false gods and, and idols are continually a problem for the Israelites, and God is continually rebuking them for it and then calling them back to himself. But eventually it actually leads to God judging Israel by having both Israel and Judah, so the northern and southern kingdoms, and so of the people of Israel, they eventually fall to Israel, to Assyria, Judah, to Babylon, and even Jerusalem, the temple that's built by Solomon, all of it's all of it's destroyed, and people are taken into exile or they're killed. And so, actually, it's not until King Cyrus comes under, you know, the, as Persia defeats Babylon, King Cyrus then allows all these exiled Jews to return to Jerusalem and rebuild their temple. But the, all of that was a consequence for worshiping false gods and idols. So, worshiping of false gods and idols in any degree is is not okay. So, and as Christians, we have the same call for us today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and in Romans chapter 1, it's this call to worship God alone. There is one God, we worship Him alone, and we do not worship anything that is created by hand, by imagination. We do not worship any other thing other than God and God alone. So yeah, it's I think Scripture is pretty clear that there's just one God and we worship Him alone. No ambiguity in this. Besides what you said in the about the Apostles' Creed and the other creeds, mm-hmm. what what do I need to know about our one true Christian, the only one true God? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that. Uh, I need to know to consider myself believing in in our one true God. Is yeah. there anything else besides besides that, or is that it? Yeah, so I, I would want to just add in again, as Christians, when we say God, we, we are referring to a triune God. So we are referring to Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I know that in of itself can just you know cause our minds to either explode or think we're just talking in circles. Um, because I'm saying one God, and I'm also saying that this one God is a triune God of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I know that can be confusing, and it's not like, I mean, the word Trinity is not even in Scripture. It's just a word. It isn't? No. Really? Yeah, really. The Holy Trinity is like, that f- phrasing is not in Scripture anywhere? Well, nope. Where'd that come from? Yeah, it's just a word that was that began to be used to describe the fact that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all one within the Godhead. So I need to know that as well. Yes. In order to believe. Yeah, because you need to be able to affirm that Father is God, Son, Jesus is God, and Holy Spirit is God. Okay. Because if Jesus becomes anything less than God, 
we lose the whole sense of what we are trying to speak about when we say we're Christians and we worship God. If God becomes less than God, then I don't believe in one true God. Mm -hmm. And if Holy Spirit becomes less than God, then I don't believe in one true God? Yeah. Or is he like the run? (laughs) No, 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 no. No, they're all equally important. And they're all dudes. They're spirits. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for trying. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) Yeah. And so so I know it can be confusing. It's how three can be considered as one. So I know we're already planning on dealing with this in the future as its own separate topic. So we will hit that then because if we don't, then we'll spend the rest of this time talking about the Trinity. Okay. So. Well, we wouldn't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't mind doing it. It would completely derail the rest of this conversation. We've got God stuff to talk about. (laughs) The, The first part of the Holy Trinity, which is in the Bible. Okay. <laughs> Vishnu and Zeus are considered gods mm-hmm. by all of human you could ask anybody kind. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. All right, I see what you're getting at. Okay. So, are those gods? Can they be or like like cuz okay, so I'm looking at Ten Commandments, don't put any other gods before me. And then mm-hmm. I hear all these people talk about all these other gods. Mm-hmm. So there's these other gods out there. And those were the popular ones that I could think of in my head to okay. ask you in the question. Okay. So what's the deal with those guys, basically? With, right, with, with like Vishnu and Zeus, yeah. for example? Okay. So for those that don't know, Vishnu is a god within, the, within Hinduism. Right. Okay. Um, I think we're all familiar with who Zeus is. All right. And so... I think Zeus is more popular. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Are you asking, like, are they gods? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? No. Okay. They're false gods. So idols, like you said. Yes, like idols. like like they're not statues. They're not statues. Yeah. So, all right. So, all right. So, for example, Hindus have over 300 million gods in Hinduism. That's too many. (laughs) You'd spend all day. (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, but see, that's the thing, though, right? Because in Hinduism, you don't have to believe in all 300 million gods. You just believe in one of the gods. Is there like a book with them all in it? No, it's really confusing. I okay. mean, there there are what's considered sacred text within Hinduism, but even that becomes debatable within Hinduism of which texts are actually sacred and which gods are actually like the higher quote unquote ranking gods, those kind of things. How do you pick out of three hundred million? A lot of it has to do with family gods. Oh, like who does your who who is the god of your family, your clan? Okay, so that's who you would worship. Which which used to be a people person. Yeah, or something else, maybe. <laughs> okay. yeah, it gets really crazy. It gets right. it gets kind of crazy. So and and also you could hold to multiple gods simultaneously. Okay. Right. So, like, you could go in into a house of a Hindu, and they may have a few different gods that like like little altar areas of gods they're worshiping, and so you have like a, like pictures, you know, images mm. of like a few different gods. So it's not all just one. You know, okay. not like each of them just has one. Now, some may, but but it's okay to have several together. You know, like. 
and they don't see any they don't see any contradiction in that of like their family worshiping one god your family worshiping another god there's no contradiction in that for them so uh, i was in india one time and or on one of my trips there to india and i was sitting at a table with a group of people and we were at this wedding and or reception for a wedding so not everyone at the table were christians by any means um, most a lot of them there were hindus and so this us sit next to one lady and i and i was talking to her and i was telling her about jesus and she thought it was so great that i worship jesus and then i was trying to tell her but hey I'd love it if you would consider worshiping Jesus. And she was like, that's, that sounds great. I'll do that too. Like, you know, like in other words, like there's no sense of like, I didn't, was, I was not threatening to her to add on one more God. Okay. And um, I'm not saying everyone would react that way, but this one particular mm-hmm. individual did. And it was more of like, that's great that you worship Jesus. I worship this God. Aren't we great that we can, you know, kind of be in this this moment where we have our, our gods that we worship? A God really is anything we worship. Thus, whatever or whoever I choose to worship would be considered a God. Now, not the one true God, obviously, but it would be a like we could make anything or anyone a God if that's who we gave our worship and our adoration to. I'm trying to come to a distinction, I guess, between okay. between me believing something exists versus like not believing it has any power. Okay. So does that make sense? Uh-huh. Okay, so say I believe Zeus used to be a, a guy. <laughs> okay. But that Christian one true God is more powerful than him. That's not okay. Are you giving Zeus like deity status? I don't know. I think that's the question. (laughs) Like, in other words, like, am I saying there's a, there's this mythology where Zeus is a God in. Okay. So let me, like, let me ask it. Like if I believe Zeus is real at all. Okay. Does that mean I believe that he's a God? I don't know. Do you? I don't know. (laughs) I think that's the question. Since people call him a god, does that mean I believe he's a god? No, I think... Okay, so I would say this, all right? I think whatever we are saying is God, or whatever we're giving... Yeah, is like a god, or whatever we're giving our worship to. Okay. Okay? That's what we are treating as a god. Okay, so what if I believe that Zeus is a god, but don't worship him? And I worship the one true God that I believe is better mm-hmm. than that one. Okay. Then, no, then I'll say that's not okay. That's not okay. Right. Because I think, it's again, Scripture is pretty clear. Like, there's only one God. Only one true God. Okay? So I cannot hold up any other thing, person, mythology, whatever, as, you know, as mythic being as a god and still hold to a worship of the one true god so are you simultaneously are okay so then are you saying that zeus and vishnu are not real correct because there's a lot of people that think they're real correct and that they are god correct so what do i do with all this information (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean so i think what, what we're saying is is that I understand there's a lot of people that worship other gods, quote-unquote, lowercase g. Right. And they really believe that 
this is a God, right? And all I'm saying is, and, and, and this comes, and I believe me, I when I say this, it comes across so arrogant to some people. And I get that. And there's people ready to scream at me right now, probably. But what I'm saying is, the if you believe that any other thing being is a God other than one God that we've been talking about, okay. God of the God of uh, that Christians believe, okay, in any other God outside of that is just a false God. It's not real. It's not a God. Are false gods real things? Like is is okay. is Vishnu a a, a a real something? No. no. Okay. In other words, I, I think when you get into like Zeus and to Vishnu and you know when and you could we could begin listing you know listing others, you know what we're getting into is gods who have lowercase g gods who have been created in the imaginations, the minds of people. Okay, but no, they're not real. If I if I made something up and where does where does like I have a imaginary friend uh-huh. versus I'm worshiping a god I made up. Where's the yeah. where's the distinction between right. those type well, of things? Well, I think you just used the word worship, right? Okay. Like we all have imaginations. Like I'm not over here knocking like, you know, fantasy and stuff. Like we all have imaginations. Okay. And so I'm not knocking imagination or you know or coming up with amazing creative stories and like no i'm like i I am for those things actually so what i'm saying is is that when you take a being whether it's being formed in your mind or formed by your hands and you say this is my god or this is a god and i'm going to worship this being or entity or whatever you think you know it is that's where you've that's, I mean, you've entered in again into that space of worshiping that God. When I ask people about the God that they worship, mm-hmm. and they say they've had a experience, like they've had experiences that they could feel or mm-hmm. whatever with their with their God. Sure. I guess you and I have felt with our one true God. Mm-hmm. What is going on? Yeah. What is that? Yeah, I mean... That's a really good question. Okay. Because I, on, a, on a couple of different, let me hit this on a couple of different levels. Okay. okay? One is, you know, spiritual experiences. I, I think most people, I won't say most, I don't know, but I mean most people, most people do want to have some type of connection to something that's beyond themselves. Like, I don't doubt people having a kind of religious or spiritual quote unquote experience, okay, with the God or the gods that they think they're worshiping, or with the creation they think they're becoming one with, or whatever it may be. And so because I think within humanity is this longing to connect, is this longing to experience something beyond oneself with something greater or outside of self. So I think there is that longing within per, within within us. And I don't know, I mean, maybe you've even had experiences or I've had experiences, right, where, you know, before I became a Christian or, you know, when you were kind of in your own space leaving, you know, walking away from the Lord or those kind of things, if you're having these experiences, because again, I think all of us kind of want that. We, we desire something to connect with. 
it's I think it can be kind of easy to get caught up in things, especially if it's in a you know communal nature or if it's in a um, you know really emotional kind of state. You know, and so like, I get that. But Paul here in First Corinthians chapter ten is warning the Christians in Corinth about idol worship that's going on in the temples there in the city of Corinth. Okay. And this is what he's, and it's, some of it is having to do with eating meals at temples. Um, so they'd have these, so part of the worship experience for some of the gods and idols in these temples would be to like have like a, um, a meal together. Mm-hmm. And that would be part of that worship experience. And the Corinths are trying to figure out if their neighbor invites them to this meal are they actually worshiping this God if they eat the meat that's been sacrificed to the idol? And so this is what Paul says to them. He says in verse 14, So then, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. And then he goes on a, a couple of verses later, and he says, Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? What am I saying then? That food sacrificed to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No, but I do say that what they sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord, referring to communion here, and the cup of demons. You cannot share in the Lord's table, again, communion, and the table of demons? Or are we provoking the Lord to jealousy? So here, Paul actually takes a a step and says, not only should we flee from idolatry, not only are idols considered bad or false, and he says they're not even really eating at all, but what they are sacrificing to there are demons. That there is a spiritual reality going on that I think most of us probably in our day-to-day lives just don't really consider a lot. That there is there is a there is a spiritual realm that's working, functioning within this world in which we live. Behind so many other gods and idols are actually demons. Okay. And so I think you can experience it there in a Kind of like a worship experience, where the way Paul is describing, in a, you know, in a temple. So, for example, I've been in a Hindu temple before. Okay. And so, you know, one of the temples in I was in a city in India, and in and I actually visited a Hindu temple, and there you got and you have people, and they are they are having a religious experience in that temple, worshiping their gods, okay, or their god. And what Paul would say is. There's demons behind that. There is a, there is there is an evil behind that that is trying to pull people away from the one true God. They are spiritual beings trying to. It's almost like they're giving a counterfeit experience, if you were a counterfeit reality to the one true God. I mean, we we find this even like in occult practices, you know. Here in the states, you can go see someone and you know a fortune teller or something, and and maybe they actually do tell you something that's like right and accurate, and you're like, how in the world? And my answer to that would be because demons are behind that. Again, it's connecting to this spiritual realm 
that's real and that's there. Uh, I know that may sound now we're getting like crazy out there mystical if you were, but uh, that's to me what scripture says. And that's, that's how I see it. Okay. So say I go to a clay sculpting class and I make a little dude and put him on my shelf mm-hmm. and never think about it ever again. Mm-hmm. Is there a demon behind that or is there no demon behind it until I worship it? Yeah. So I make it demonic by my actions. It's not demonic until I do something. Yeah. I mean, if you just, if you're just going and you're making a clay sculpture of something and putting it up on your, on a table somewhere, a bookshelf somewhere. Yeah. I'm not saying that's demonic. Okay. Okay. Now, if I'm making an image of another God who is already demonic because somebody already did that. And right. Then I'm saying uh, I'd, I'd really steer, steer clear of that. So Z- Zeus was a long time ago, and not a lot of people still believe in that, right? Right, sure. So is me having a clay sculpture of Zeus on my shelf, on my shelf is that still demonic? Even though nobody believes in it? Like, do the demons even care that that's there anymore? I wouldn't have it in my house. Okay. Um, Just in case. <laughs> Just to, uh, to, to, all right, here's the thing, like, in the Ten Commandments, we, we talked about earlier, right? right? The Lord says, make no images of, of, he's referring to, like, of himself, of, like, you know, but I think any time that we have an image of another God, then I think that we are crossing, we're, we're to me, as a Christian, I'm, I'm crossing that line. And I realize that it's just a, you know, a, 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 clay whatever but i to me if it's an image of another god i don't even, i don't even want to give an open door an open space to the idea of so it's the, if the lord doesn't want us to make an image of him then i can guarantee you he doesn't want us to have images of other gods as well all right so you're calling every other god that exists False gods, idols, and behind those things are evil demon spirits. Correct. Okay. What if I have something in my house that I don't know someone used to worship and is a evil spirit demon idol thing? Yeah. Like, is that bad for me since I'm not doing it or don't know about it or what? Yeah. Okay. So... Straight up, you're going to hear a couple of different opinions on this. Okay. Okay. So some people will say that no big deal. You know, in other words, someone gave it to you. You don't know. No big deal. Okay. The Lord will protect you. Okay. Those kind of things. And, and I think there's truth to that. I think the Lord protects us. But I also think it's not good for us just to be ignorant to things. In other words, like if I if, if I receive something and it just kind of looks off, I, I really probably should consider it. Mm-hmm. Like, what? okay, what is this? Because I, I do think there is the sense of... For me, like I, I don't want anything in my home that was ever used for worship purposes or were ever created or made to reflect the image of another God. And so, because I, I, I do believe that there is an opening of a door there, if you want to put it that way, to it in, in the spiritual realm, meaning okay. opening a door in the spiritual realm to influence from unclean spirits 
what does this worship look like that I could just go turn anything I want into a demon idol god? (laughs) And aren't there people that do this, like, that just go around trying to put evil spirits and everything? Sure, yeah, there are those that do that. Okay, so is everything just filled with evil spirits? No. I'm not saying that. <laughs> okay. Okay. And I, I'm not saying that they can just go and put evil spirits behind everything either. Okay. Well, okay. Okay. So, all right. So getting back, so getting to like the, the, the first part of the question okay. you asked there. Sorry, I doubled them up. You, yeah, you doubled them <laughs> up. So, so go back to that first part for me. Okay. So if I just, what, what would I have to do to turn a box of Kleenexes into something I worshiped? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I don't think like we accidentally start worshiping something. Okay. I think, you know, the, the question is, again, I, I use the word adoration a lot in referencing to worship. Like, am, am, am I giving adoration, am I giving homage to something with, with like us, like with my, like with the core part of, of my being and saying, I need their intervention okay. in my life or they are worthy of of worship of adoration as a deity now i do think that again i, I said earlier like anything can be made into this right literally anything anything or like so when i was in when i was in high school all right so dave matthews band was a, a crazy popular band in high when i was in high school and we would like travel around going to different concerts okay Just, you did i did wow yeah Hey, I got no man. Hmm. Man, you don't like hmm. Dave Matthews? I don't know. <laughs> I probably heard songs, but <laughs> okay. Now I'm just sad. All right, it's like every other person I talked to who was born too late, <laughs> they don't appreciate the greatness of the '90s music. But anyway, it sounds like you're turning him to, to a god. Is that where this, is that where the story's going? I'm saying I'm, I'm not saying I did. Okay, uh-huh. but I was saying there's definitely people out there who did, and like what I what I mean by that is like, all right, if now everything around about my life revolves around this thing, whatever this thing is, okay. So if, you, if I'm using Dave Matthews Band, if everything around my life revolves around Dave Matthews Band, th- I mean th- they literally like have my heart, okay, and the core of my being is is about them. They have become a God to me. So that's what I mean when I say like anything, everything can become a God. It, but it's all about that idea of is is my like, it's cool for me to really like Dave Matthews band. Not so much if all my adoration and saying my life belongs to them and revolves around them. Okay. Yeah. That's what I mean when I say like anything or everything can be made like a God or an idol to us. So anything we exalt we lift up above ourselves and other th- and 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 every other thing. That's what I've made a god, whatever okay. that might be. Okay, so does this mean that since other people have turned the members? I mean, we should stop mentioning Dave Matthews Band by name, probably. Probably but since, so. Probably get sued. <laughs> since other people are treating the members of any random said band. As gods, does mm-hmm. that mean that those people in that band are full of demons now? No. Okay. Well, no. I don't get it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. So I think there's a, and maybe there's the distinction between like what I have turned or made into a God. Okay. In the sense of when we are openly acknowledging that this being or this thing is a God, we're opening what we're what we're doing is we're saying that's like that's God. We're opening up a demonic influence into our lives. Not that that not that that thing or those people become demon possessed. Okay. Because what we're now when it's the idea of we're worshiping demons, it's not that because like Zeus isn't real, right? Right. So Vishnu is not real. Okay. But the demons that are them. But the demons that are behind the drawing of people to worshiping them are real. Okay, I got you. Yeah. So if I have a if I have a thing mm-hmm. <laughs> that I put on my shelf uh-huh. that someone else has made a god, then there are demons around it that are going to pull me toward worshiping that thing, just like there's demons hanging out with any said rock band from the 90s that are pulling me to really like them and devote my existence to their music. Yeah, I do think there's demons that are attempting to influence you, draw you into those things. Okay. Absolutely. But the members of any said 90s rock band are not full of them. No. Okay. No. Cool. Not that I'm aware of anyway. Okay, so I I have a... Right. Here's another one. Okay. Can demons be in so so are you saying that demons can't actually be in in objects? Like can an object yeah. be cursed or whatever? Do I believe objects can have some type of curse on them? Curse or yeah. be filled with demons and Yeah, I I would I would I would go I'll go a curse here. Okay. Yeah. Instead of being instead of saying I'm uh be full of demons. Okay. I'll go more with curse. What's the difference? Again, this is all going back to spiritual realities, right? Right. So, for example, in Old Testament, in Deuteronomy specifically, there is this constant back and forthness between if you do this, like if you obey the Lord, you're blessed. Right. If you hear and disobey the Lord, you're cursed. Okay. And so... Hear and disobey? Like if you heard what the Lord said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's blessing on one side, there's curse on the other, okay? okay? And blessing is a spiritual reality, okay? It's, it's a, a spiritual phenomenon, if you want to put it that way, and so is a curse, okay? Okay. And so do I think that things, like what you mentioned earlier, can actually have like a curse over them? Sure. Yeah, I do. Okay. And that's why I'm making a distinction between like the curse and demons. Demons are actual like beings, entities, and so they're not... It's not just like this um, kind of spiritual abstract curse or blessing. Demons grieve. De- demons have fear. Demons express emotion. Okay, so if I were to take a step back and look at everything that I do and mm-hmm. everything I like and everything I spend time doing mm-hmm. and look at all of it, like, how do I know I'm not making my Xbox or whatever a god? Sure. Like, what do I? Are there are there things I can see in myself doing that I'm 
actively trying to make demons come around my Xbox. Like, how do I? <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> mean, probably shouldn't. Any random video game console. <laughs> we got to stop doing this. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, so I don't want us to start getting to the point to where we we begin calls calling anything that's an addiction or could become an addiction like playing video games uh worshiping of a false god however i do think that that can be a step toward it okay okay in other words like i guess that maybe here's the question like what or who has the core of my being is in other words if i'm if i'm playing on a video game console is it consuming all of my thoughts? Is it consuming my time? I mean, I mean, is it just consuming my life? Okay. If so, then I think, you know, there is a legitimate question to be had, like, what's got your heart? And, you know, I'll say heart, the core of your being. Like, what has you? And, uh-huh. and I'm not sitting here saying that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, that every hour or that every minute or that every second I'm thinking about Jesus. I don't want it to come across like mm-hmm. you've always got to be thinking about Jesus if you say you worship Jesus. But what I am saying is, but my, my prayer is that only he would have my heart and that my whole life is being built around him and following him and wanting to please him and wanting to worship him because of who he, and my life is being built around that. Like I make conscious, intentional decisions for that. And if we're making conscious, intentional decisions to build our lives around other things or other people, we, we have elevated them to way too high of a level. Okay. Okay. Now, listen, I, I I get it. Like, like so I, I gotta be careful here because there are situations when someone is caring for a loved one that has whether it's special needs or whether it's because of sickness or what, right? And their life really is consumed with caring for that person. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not saying that they've made that person a god. Okay, okay, because hopefully in the midst of their caring for them and their being with them and, and they're using all their, you know, a bulk of their resources for the care of this, whether, you know, this loved one, hopefully in the midst of all of that, there's this continual, you know, cry to the Lord for grace and for strength and for help and for mercy. And there's a, there's a need there, you know, okay. and, and that's my, that would be my prayer in the midst of that. So, but I think if we're just giving of ourselves to something, and it's not because again of a of a special need or because of sickness of a loved one or that, it's it's like like it's it, it is another god, it, or it is another um, like a like I say like a like an idol, you know, okay. or it is something that's just now consuming all of my time. It doesn't have to, but I'm allowing it to. I'm choose or I'm choosing to give it my time, my life, my heart, my attention, my thoughts. Then yeah, those those things can become a god. And when we talk about opening ourselves up to demons, I know that sounds kind of crazy and really mystical and out there, but the whole like the enemy has one plan and has had one plan forever, and it's just it's the so when I say the enemy, Satan or Satan or however you want to pronounce it, and 
you know, th- this, this, this evil being that has had one agenda from point one, and that is to keep humanity separated from its creator. And so when I'm saying we've opened ourselves up to demons, that's what they're wanting to do. They're wanting to keep us separated from our creator. And so if they can keep us separated from our creator by causing us to be consumed with something else, they've done their job. And it doesn't always have to be in this crazy, like, you know, poltergeist, you know, kind of way. Um, C.S. Lewis in his book, Screwtape Letters, does an amazing job of discussing demons in the way that they are kind of methodically attempting to move people away from God. And that's like their goal. That's their agenda. Can I keep them separated from God? Can I move them away from God? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm saying. When we talk about things kind of like opening up doors to demons, or that's like that's what the whole kind of point I'm trying to get to is like, I'm not even saying they're necessarily coming in and like possessing you or those kind of, but can they convince you that these other things are better than God, that these other things will satisfy you in a way that God cannot? They've done their job. Does that make sense? Yeah. So can an other God be an idea? Sure. Okay. It can be a abstract concept then. Mm-hmm. All right. So Second Corinthians 10 verse 3 says and following says, For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God, For the demolition of strongholds or the tearing down of strongholds, we demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. And I think that's kind of what you're getting to, the idea of can an idea become a God? When it becomes, when this idea becomes raised above and raised even whether above or against the knowledge of God, then yeah then at that okay. point it has become that. Well, that has been the one I heard this podcast, One True God, Part 1. You can find the podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and Rumble. We have actually, Joseph, started a Patreon. Yes, yes, we did. We went and made an account, and basically Joseph and I, we started this hoping we would enjoy it and keep going and we have created three tiers on patreon and nothing's different about them it is five dollars ten dollars and twenty dollars and every bit of money that we get from any of those tiers right now we will be putting back into pushing the podcast further on social media and if, if you believe in what we're doing, you can head over there and pick one of them and whatever you feel comfortable doing or want to do is going toward pushing this to more people that, that we think need to hear it. Yeah, I mean, our whole hope in this is that the you know, we're able to reach people that really are wrestling with the very issues that we're discussing. And we hope it can be uh, a place where people can connect and being conversation with and maybe hear things from a perspective they haven't before you know again our hope is that we can continue to create space for conversations with those that are just man maybe 
maybe you're listening to this and you're disillusioned or you're skeptic or you're just seeking and trying to figure out what's what and, and what do I believe? And I, I pray that this would be a, an avenue, a vehicle for your own you know, conversation with others and, and, and eventually conversation with us. And if you're someone that's has listened to every episode so far and have never wrestled with any of these things, but know that people do and think they need to hear it, then that's, that's what this is for. Absolutely. You can find the podcast on Facebook and Instagram and keep up with updates there. I am on Facebook and Instagram at Nate Robinsoff and Joseph, you are on Instagram at Rev Joe T. This has been the When I Heard This Podcast, and we will see you next time. Bye.